Hey guys, welcome back to Nomad Wolf, where you're listening to episode 9 with virtual summit expert and international speaker, Eric Yang. <laughs> Which was crazy because I would just do my homework in a train and just go to the hostel, where yeah. it'd be like 10 bucks an hour per, per night, and go to a business conference and come back like Monday morning at 2 a.m. and go to class next the same day. Ever fallen into the comparison trap? You might be left wondering how some people were able to create that largely disruptive company, collaborate with this incredible brand, or just simply monetize their passions right off of their laptop from God knows where. You're left inspired and hungrier than ever to create a business that will give you access to your unique version of freedom. But the only question is, how? My name is Glenn Gabriel, and this is the Nomad Wolf Podcast, a show that features creators, game changers, rule breakers, trendsetters, pretty much anyone around the world with the appetite to challenge the status quo. Behind their successes and failures, we dive into their stories filled with actionable advice and growth hacks that aim to equip location-independent minds everywhere so that they can answer their own life's question by constantly exploring their potential. We hope you find what you've been looking for or what's been looking for you. I am a digital expert uh, on lead gen and I also own a digital agency where we help experts, consultants and agency owners on how to build their own online platforms and events. And uh, where where are you currently based out of? I mean, currently in uh, Bangkok. Uh, I just moved there two months ago and prior to that I was living in Los Angeles awesome neighbor well it's good to it's good to have <laughs> you out here um, so before we get into your current business uh, lead next gen let's hit the time machine a little bit what were you doing before setting up virtual conferences so I moved to the US from France which is where I was born and raised when I was 18 uh, I moved to California, Santa Barbara, where I went to school for two years before dropping out. And actually, when I first moved to the U.S. and going to college, I always knew that I was never going to, per se, graduate from school because uh, I wanted to have a business. So prior to going to the U.S., I did not know what kind of business I wanted to have. I didn't have any business connections. I have no business knowledge. Uh, besides, you know, maybe like setting some toys and video games once a kid, but that wasn't real business, but just having fun and making some money. So I went to the U.S. and I went to a community college instead of a four-year university because I just wanted to save money on top of that. Uh, and also I knew the classes were going to be way easier, uh, <laughs> which will give my parents like some room to breathe when it comes to my grades because I just knew that every weekend, if I could, I'll go to a business or networking event or workshop or any kind of like business related like space or meetup um, to meet the people that I wanted to be around. So uh, I moved to the US and after like two years, I basically attended more than 75 events. Um, wow. And that was just crazy. Man, it was like meetups and events. And most of the times they were in my city, which was Santa Barbara, which is a great city. It's a small uh, college town, actually with a lot of rich entrepreneurs as well, which, which I met some of them there. 
Yeah. But the events were mostly in LA, in SF, in San Diego. And I flew sometimes to Texas for some events. And I would literally take a train Thursday night uh, from Santa Barbara to San Diego, which would take me like six hours and a half one way, um, <laughs> which was crazy because I would just do my homework in a train and just go to the hostel where yeah. be like 10 bucks an hour per, per night and go to a business conference and come back like Monday morning at 2 a.m. and go to class next, the same day. Yeah. Um, so that was my routine for, for two years. And I, I, I thought about becoming a Facebook ad expert. I thought about becoming a business coach, who's what, what most people in my network were doing. But I just didn't feel right for me to just do something I've never done before, especially like teaching about it, right? I think Agreed. there's so many like life coaches out there that or business coaches out there that never had a business before uh, for themselves or even worse, they never had a successful business and they're teaching how to do business, which is like the worst. And actually one of my teachers in my school was an entrepreneurship teacher and she taught business and it was like, why am I learning from you? And like, this is just the worst. Um, and I almost like, not fail the class, but I successively lost all the competition that were done twice uh, a month for three months against other like entrepreneurs who are project, uh, presenting their project. Yeah. And, and this project is actually the, the first business that I launched and it was called the Millennial Entrepreneur Network. And the, the how of how I came up with this idea is going back to myself, like what I needed for myself. So I went to all those business conferences and I was almost always the youngest one in the room by at least five years and a rare time I met a young entrepreneurs like we almost like instantly bonded because of this young factor but because of this hungry and for knowledge kind of factor yeah and that's how I met you man uh like we both met at Lewis House event I I brought my friends I got a free ticket for this event so I'm like yeah I'm fuck yeah I'm gonna be in it and uh, I've done this like 75 times like, where I just met random entrepreneurs across different events. And I was like thinking like, where are the young entrepreneurs who are crushing at 22, 25 that actually making like an impact, great revenue, but also have a great business. Yeah. And I, I thought about this, man, like the people who are making it at 25 didn't start at 24, 23. They started like 17, 18. And it was like through multiple trial and error they succeeded but for those people to succeed then they must learn those business skills somewhere right and and they i was thinking like where are they like they were going to business conferences so i met many of them across many conferences but i could not find the one conference where i could find them all in one place so because i could not find it i built what i wish i had which was a three-day event for young entrepreneurs uh, who were making above six figures who were under 30. And that was my first conference back in 2016, 17. Yeah, I think uh, you're talking about MEN, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I think that was like three years ago. So 2016. Yeah. And yeah, that was a that was a really good event. For everybody that's listening, I was going around with my camera. I was one of the photographers. <laughs> and the room was the room was filled. Everybody was like hungry for knowledge. You could definitely get the vibe that everybody there was just very like minded, um, seeking a tribe or already had a tribe, but always eager to expand their network. 
and just expand their minds a little bit. And it's awesome that it was your first one. You know, you hosted it in Santa Monica, which is when you first sent me the the address that it's like, oh, we're having it here. I was just like, wow, this is pretty sick. It was pretty sick. It was also really, really expensive, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that goes along with the the trial and error of business, how you have to like kind of, you know, be a little bit maybe more practical with uh, with events and maybe how expensive events are, like physical events, right? So part of the reason why I chose Santa Monica is because it was close to the airport. Um, a lot of people were flying, flying in. Uh, not a lot, but like maybe like 10, 15% of people were flying in. And also I knew a lot of uh, influencers and entrepreneurs in, in the space lived in this area. So um, a lot of those people invited their friends to come over. Uh, one of the speakers uh, that we had, Mark Lack, in, invited a, his friend who, who is like Tony Robbins' number one salesperson. Uh, and that's how I connected with him because he was living around Santa Monica and he just quickly dropped by before his next meeting. It was a strategic decision. It wasn't just because Santa Monica was just like a great place, but it was also because people could get access to it easily because mm. um, a lot of speakers were living around this area as well. Understood. And what were the, the biggest takeaways that you got running a physical event? And did it help like serve as a catalyst to your next thing? Yeah, that's a good question, man. So the first thing is the event business is just such a growth hack to position yourself as a go-to leader in, in any space, right? Whether it's like a 100 person plus event or just like 10 people or 15 people, you're like going to be seen as the go-to authority in this industry. Um, I was a guy who didn't have any business knowledge besides just wanted to create a community, right? And I was always struggling with the fact of how can I put value to the people? And I, over the past two years of me networking people, I realized that my biggest asset was just being able to connect and learn how to connect with those entrepreneurs, right? Um, it might not seem this way for you, Glenn, but I used to be really, really shy uh, in high school and, and college, right? Where I would not talk to people for uh, hours because no, like I just didn't feel like it or because I felt like afraid to do it. And the best reference for that point of view is sometimes when I go to a restaurant by myself, I would not even ask for a check because I didn't want to bother the waitress or waiter. And that's like how shy I was, right? And I just basically used these business conferences um, that I went to to shape my social skills. And I read a lot of books. I went to a training and Tony Robbins being one of them, Dale Carnegie being one of them. And um, actually, I, I learned how to get both free trainings that were worth like tens of thousands of dollars for free because of those networking skills that I shaped over the next, you know, over the past few, few years. But going back to your question, like what I learned from it is one, building a, a platform that allows you to attract the speakers who are the leaders of your industry, allows you to be associated with them, which gives you more social proof, more influence, more authority because you are trusted by osmosis. That's one. Two is, um, it takes a long time to go into an event, man. It took me six months to from idea to completion, which is a long time. I was in, in school, so it was like part-time thing, but I still like spend like 30, 40 hours a week on this event, like doing connection calls, trying to sell people tickets for the event and inviting them. 
Um, so that was a really tedious process. And honestly, like I will never do one event again unless I have a production team because I just don't want to focus on that. Yeah. Um, the third thing is actually my biggest like quote-unquote failure in a way is that I barely broke even on this event despite like generating six-figure in revenue on, on this event. And part of the reason why is because we spent so much on the venue. Uh, we spent so much on tech. We spent so much on um, even like the sound, man. Like even the mics and the the technical sound like costed me like 2500 for for like three days. Yeah. Um, and those kind of costs like adds up, which let me really frustrated at the end of the event where I worked so hard for six months on this conference, right? And I was like, the next day, this conference disappears. Like the name still exists, but the platform, the event, the venue is not owned by me. So I was like, I worked so hard for something that just disappears. And that was just really like this, like a sad realization at the end of the event, man. Because I had so much fun doing the event. I had so much fun during the event. And, but it wasn't so much fun like after the event. Like what, what do I do now? Yeah, there's like no, it's hard to kind of have that continuity after when like, everybody's together in one place and then everybody kind of leaves to their respective places. And I'm sure like you can, you know, set up a, a Facebook group or something like that, but it kind of like loses a lot of the magic that was like in the event in the first place. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would know that if they are in the event space, but a couple of weeks after the event ends, the Facebook group just dies unless you have continuous like monthly events to catch up people in a city. But, how feasible is that to do that on top of the other project every month to maintain that? So unless you have a team or you're only dedicated to creating events, that's really hard for you. Yeah, understood. And that kind of led you into uh, building your current business lead next gen, right? Yeah, man. So uh, so moving from my physical event, I was like trying to figure out like what I want to do with my business, right? Like obviously like I, I was like, burnout after the event and it was like what i was 20 years old so i i dropped out of school because now like cool i have, I have a connection i have business fundament foundations i can do something out of it but i still like wanted to do events but i also really really wanted to travel around the world so after looking for different like options like podcasting uh webinars and in-person events i was like cool all these things have great advantages but it has like great disadvantage of voice platforms for example like podcasting right it's a great platform for anyone uh, like like you glenn like to interview someone who is an expert and be able to learn from the very best in the world in a very like simple and casual way that just takes like 30 minutes which is like, what it takes a speaker like the interviewee uh to to show up and just talk about his business right but the, the flip side of that is it's not a business in the sense of you don't make money of it like you build influence, you build authority, but you don't make revenue. And if you don't make revenue, then that's not business. Um, and something else I didn't like about podcasting, Glenn, is the fact that I'm not sharing on, on your podcast right now, but I'm just okay, like talking about the platform. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go uh, on. But it's like you can't get people's email list, meaning that if you decide to take a break for a month, right, people will just go to someone else's podcast. So you can't re-announce to your audience, like, hey, my podcast is back on. They have to monthly or weekly or daily check on your podcast to see if you have published something new. So not being able to directly contact your audience other than being on a podcast episode is really tough. 
and the webinars are great, but they, they make money. It's proven. If you do a training, there's a lot of templates out there on how to position the value and sell people on things. But it doesn't establish yourself as a go-to authority in your industry. Like you're just one webinars among others. Like what makes you, you so special? What makes you so trustworthy? And for someone to sit on one hour webinar with you, they need to either really, really need your product or they must really, really trust you. And I felt that wasn't the case for me where I just wanted to have the impact that the event had on a webinar format. So that led me to think like, can I do something that matches podcast, in-person events and webinar? And this is where I came across Virtual Summit, which is creating your online event. And I just wanted to basically travel. And so while traveling, while being in Thailand, actually, when I was like through, I was like 21, uh, back in 2017, mm-hmm. I just launched the Millennial Success Summit, which was the online version of the uh, in-person event I had, where, again, I interviewed even bigger experts who were under 35, who were making about six figure, and such as Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine, Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm that has like 4 million downloads, uh, podcast downloads per month. Um, Nikola Kuzmich, who ran ads for Tony Robbins. I had Snapshot expert, I have Instagram expert, I have sales expert, right? Literally like anyone that I want to learn from, I interviewed them and I was able to almost have those one-on-one VIP session with them and using the summit as an excuse to ask all the questions I had about what they were doing best in the industry. I actually profited way more on the virtual summit than I did with my in-person events. And Mainly because there's, there's no like overhead, right? Like you own the platform. There, there isn't too many costs. Maybe like, maybe you might need to pay for a speaker or something, but there isn't too many upfront costs compared to like a physical event. Other than buying some courses, man, the pure cost of my summit was $700. Beauty. The, the real side of that, Glenn, is I literally did everything by myself. <laughs> yeah, it, you are a one-man team. So when it comes to website development, to coding a little bit, Facebook ads, uh, customer service, editing the videos, scheduling the people, writing contracts, writing the contracts for both speakers, sponsors, and affiliates, right? I did all of that in 77 days, which is kind of crazy, from idea to launch. And it was just like so many moving parts that I had to take care of. And it was like literally working like 70 hours a week, man, um, trying to make this thing work because I knew that if they have the resources, I could at least put my time into it. And this is what I did. And it was a huge success, man. It was really great. Um, so we had like a thousand people attending the event, which is like 10 times more than my physical event with zero dollars actually invested in marketing. Uh, I didn't spend a dime on, on Facebook ads actually, even on sponsors money, I actually keep that in my pocket because most of the things were coming from speakers. Um, so they were promoting the summit. So that was really great, man. And businesses go through a ton of, uh, different iterations you know, constantly refining the business model. What would you say was one of the biggest changes from your first, your first summit to like, I guess, guess now, obviously now you have a team, 
uh, which helps you. So you're not really a one man show anymore. But what what would you say was one of the biggest things that kind of like helped push the virtual summit into maybe what it, its current version is now? So one things that really worked well for us, man, is which is is using um, kickoff live streaming on Facebook the day before the summit, right? So since the summit is pretty much for people who are listening who don't know what the online summit is, uh, just quick context: it is usually a three to five day event. Um, the conference itself is free, uh, where the attendee once the uh, online event launches, they can get access to day one uh, for twenty four hours. And when day one finishes, they can get access to day two for 24 hours, but they can't watch the day one videos anymore. And you have typically like seven to 10 interviews per day, depending on the formats, even less or more, give and take. And uh, or, or throughout those three to five days, people are learning from the experts, right? For example, the summit that I launched are on cryptocurrency, on how to find and buy and trade the best coins and how to make the most like uh most out of those markets the other one i did was on airbnb like the business of building a business around airbnb and uh like uh what's it called short-term rentals so we're getting like 30 experts on those topics and people were really excited and they're learning the what the like what to do for example airbnb as an example like what to do when you list on Airbnb, like what picture to use or what kind of profile do people look for? What kind of tagline should you have? Also like what kind of checklists, uh, what kind of uh, tools you should have in your house? Uh, what kind of insurance do you have? Like what kind of uh, landlord should you talk to, right? So those were great information for people to basically have a foundation for their Airbnb business. And then while we were actually selling like how you make money eric is actually you sell recordings and bonuses the recordings are all the recordings on the summit both mp4 and mp3 version of it and the bonus is actually what people buy for man so bonuses are templates blueprint script uh checklist anything that helps you actually implement the information from the speakers so going back to what to do right like you give them information on what to do, but do they know how to do it? Like I can give you a, a kid a car. Like this is a, what what it's this is. This is a car, but you know how to drive it. Mm. And most people don't know how to drive it because they need a guide, they need a manual, they need instruction, right? Yeah. So this is what we're selling. So should that script to talk to landlords on how to close deals? Like do you know what script to use when you reach out to uh, houses that you want to use and rent out? Well, use our script. That's proven. And this is what people buy for. Um, so uh, this is the other lesson learned, man. The bonuses are super critical, especially when it comes to uh, the added value and perceived value. This is what 80% of people buy the expense for because information can be found anywhere on YouTube, but the actual implementation is what people need from you. Yeah. And um, just to let everybody know that's the listening, um, and, and Eric, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Most of these, um, you know, uh, I guess blueprints or scripts are usually provided by your guests. Am I right? Sometimes. Um, like, let's say 50% of the time, it's probably about a guest. The other 50% of the time is something that you would need and other, like, use stuff on the internet and create a checklist from that. Or 
you uh, created from yourself because you had experience in it. It's mm. good to note. Was there anyone during this time uh, that inspired or mentored you? Uh, because obviously you're trying something new. Maybe it, it was someone in the virtual summit space prior to this. Uh, was there anybody that really helped in guiding you during this this time when you were just launching uh, your virtual summits and finding your way here? So there's actually two people in that space that uh, inspire me. First of all, there was this person that did a virtual summit that achieved great success. His name is Chano Bolt. He's the CEO and founder of Self Publishing School. He's basically the, the guy who created the movement of becoming a self-published author and best-selling author on Amazon. And uh, I met him at one of those events uh, that I was going to, and it was actually great because um, I met him at a at a house where we were watching like, uh, I think it was like Manny Pacquiao against Manweather or something like that. It was like mm-hmm. years back. And we're like connecting, talking, and like I asked him about his business. Like, yeah, we like on track of being, making like seven figure this year. It's like, holy shit. Like, how old are you, man? It's like, I'm 21. It's like, oh, you're just one year older than me. He's like, how do you do that? Well, uh, the, the most important thing he told me was, you need to have an email list. Like the goal is in the list, right? And I was like, what was the email list? I was kind of things like, I wasn't like, that not knowledge about business. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he told me about it. And then it's like, so what was the strategy on how to do that? Like, how did you do it, right? Like, the how. Um, it's like, oh, actually, I did a virtual summit. I was like, what is a virtual summit? It's like, it's basically an online event like I shared with you earlier. And we did that with uh, 50 authors and publishing experts teaching people how to write their own book and publish it on Amazon. So, holy wow. Like how many people do you have? And he was, sorry to cut you off. And he was the host of this virtual? He was the host of it. Okay, cool. And um, he was like, well, prior to the event, we had emails of 4,000 people. But after the event, we had like 36,000 email list size. Wow. And he generated 350k us dollars from this and that basically like took him on top of the pyramid as the leader of his industry and he's today uh, 24 right and uh he's making close to 10 figure a month now and he's just like crushing the game and he used business and virtual summit as the rocket fuel for his business so it was like if he can do it for him, why can't I do it for myself? And this is where the inspiration came from. Mm. And actually asked him, like, did you learn how to do it by yourself or did you have someone else who did it with you? He's actually, no, I hired someone to do it with me. He's like, oh, who is this guy? And his name is uh, Navid Moazes, who is actually, uh, who I learned from on the virtual summit side on how to set up the, the website and the funnel and this kind of stuff. So I learned from him on the technical. I learned from uh, Chandler from the what is possible for you if you actually apply it. So those two are great, both uh, inspiration and mentors for, uh, for my virtual summit journey. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad I asked that question because, you know, there's always a, um, a catalyst or like a, where you got the seed planted. And I love hearing that story wherever they get the idea or like the inspiration, right, for their... You know, when, 
it's at the end of the day it's like when when you have this mindset of okay i can do this right and because you've been around the same people the same crowd or the same environment for a long time like you only know what you can know best and for me when i met chandler is like holy shit you can be both young and successful in my mind that was not something i could have thought of by myself before it's mm-hmm. like no you have to like build businesses and by 25 30 years old you're gonna be successful but him it was like no, I'm young, I succeeded, and had a system, and he was basically the definition of what was possible for me when I was 20 years old. Yeah. When you build a business, right, you never know who you can inspire because of your journey, because of your hardship, because people are, might be where you were a couple of years back, uh, and you can just give them the blueprints to succeed. And that was what Chandler was to me when I was 20 years old. And I was just lucky to be in a space where I also like learn how to ask the right questions so I can get inspiration. But he was there when I needed it. He served as the, the unlock in your mind. It's like, oh, you can be young and you know successful, have a very profitable business and also make an impact, right? And it's almost like it goes back to that whole... Um, you know, five minute mile uh, example, right? Once that person did the five minute mile, which was like completely out of bounds before, mm. I think like 20 people did the five minute mile after that one, first person did it. Yeah, everybody gets that unlock from one person and then it kind of just like lifts everybody up, right? Yep, 100%. Like, well, like everyone has their own definition of this five minute mile until like they see someone else do it, they can like, oh, I can do it too if they have the system to actually replicate yeah. some results. Yeah. Going into uh, more about the virtual summit, what do you think are the biggest factors that make a virtual summit successful? Is it just the speakers? Is it the sponsorship? Like, what, what do you think are the elements for a successful virtual summit? So one is having a good niche, man. Uh, I see a lot of people having really broad niches uh, it was all really unclear names. Like there was a summit that someone asked me to help them with. Like they, they reached out to me like literally a week before the launch, which was already too late. But they basically had a name that was so unclear. That was so, well, they, they, they tried to be clever over clear. Uh, like I think it was like this, this, um, something for uh remote entrepreneurs like was called wonder thrive uh, work summit right and from this name like nobody would know what the summit is about so just keep the name clear and instead of saying like the gold rush summit right or the digital gold rush summit just called it the crypto virtual summit it is clear you know it's virtual and you know it's a summit so that's a really important thing two is um, a great way for, for you to know if an online event or your online event is going to be successful is to look at a physical event that works really well. If the physical event works, most of the time, this online event will work if you follow the guidelines. Uh, the third thing is uh, just be respectful to the speakers because they're almost doing you a favor of showing up to interview. So sometimes they're not going to reply for multiple days. So that's your job to actually follow up. Like the, 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 the gold is in the follow up. Like, cause I've followed up to Nathan Chan, like literally like seven times 
before he said yes. Like I knew he was busy. He replied to me. He's like, hey, can you send me more info? I did. I sent the info. I waited. I followed up. I waited. I followed up. I sent him a message on Facebook. I waited. I followed up. And he said yes. Those people have gazillions of projects. And especially if it's your first time and you don't have an email list, they don't get a, gain a lot from doing that. So that's almost like a favor to you. Yeah. So just learn to respect that as a perspective. Um, I think the last thing is just be clear on the offer. Like what else, what will make your summit different besides doing an interview? If you can present it as a masterclass where each interview kind of like connects to the next one, that would be a huge value add to the people as it won't be just like random interviews, but like a, a sequential um, way of interviewing people, which will give the most out of everyone because then you can bring people from step one to step 26 from point a to 26 to point a to z and that journey that customer journey will be the most uh, beneficial for both the speakers and the attendees when it comes to learning from those experts perfect yeah those are all really good points and i like how uh especially with the last point you bring up that the virtual summit has a definite goal and if you're able to kind of i mean everybody signing up for this virtual summit to like learn something specific and there's almost like a, a linear sort of progression in, in in learning where it's like oh you go from like beginner to not necessarily advanced maybe but to a definite part where oh after you learned everything from all these speakers you can actually get started you have the steps mm. you have the knowledge i wanted to kind of talk about sponsorships a little bit uh just because i feel like when it comes to promoting your event, like, yes, bootstrapping is definitely one of the things, but linking up with possible sponsors that one could advocate your event kind of give you a little bit more brand authority and also could provide you capital. Uh, how would you go about getting sponsorship interest? So context for the audience, um, I, all the summits I've launched were self-funded free sponsorship. Besides, actually the first one was, uh, but Sarge was a little bit different. So my first summit, I raised, I believe, $7,500 for a summit that had zero email list when I first started. Like, I was a nobody. My biggest sponsor was actually EO Accelerator, which is an entrepreneur organization. Mm. And although like media companies. But on the Airbnb summit, we had 25K in sponsorship raise and again from someone that they have an email list on the crypto one uh, we raised seventy five thousand dollars and again uh that was from zero emails no connection no nothing wow. so the, the idea man is once you build a platform people will come and if people who come for exactly what they want then the companies who are interested to talk to those people will come as well so this is why it's important again to go niche down so you can actually exactly create towards the people that are your audience so that the people who actually talk to the audience are interested to give you money to talk to those people. Mm -hmm. So on the Design Printer Summit, which is basically teaching people the business of design or web design, right? So when you host a conference that has, for example, 8,000 expected attendees that are all web designers, a lot of those companies who actually have products for designers will be interested to sponsor you because it would take them a lot of money, a lot of time and effort to actually go to a conference and talk to 8,000 people. Or even like 
be positioned as the go-to expert around for the experts that are leading authorities of this industry. And for them to talk to this audience is extremely valuable because most of the time, them getting four or five clients out of a 5K investment is worth it, uh, especially if they can leverage other people's name and say, oh, I was speaking on stage, virtual or not, it doesn't matter. I was speaking on stage with the Tony Robbins of the, this industry. Mm-hmm. So how do you go along with how to ask for money, man? It basically, the first thing you want to do is you want to do your homework. You want to basically look at, again, the in-person event of your industry and see what companies sponsor the event. Because sponsors love to sponsor. Speakers love to speak. And you will have a higher chance of success of reaching out to a company that has sponsored before and be able to almost offer a better pathway of the investment by transitioning from in-person to online. Because online can be relaunched whenever they want. You can actually have metrics on how many people saw your conversation and can also track the leads as well if you offer that opportunity for sponsors so another way for you to find or discover sponsors that would be good for your industry or summit is basically what kind of products do you use that are relevant in this industry for example i use a lot of tools for my um, agency and if i were to create a agency summit uh, I would basically reach out to companies that I already use the products from because I know they're great and I would love to basically feature someone that would have talked about anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's a great advice uh, I would give to people. And the third one would be to always have a sponsorship deck ready so that people ask for more information. You can have all information about virtual summit in one place. In-person event or an event, this doesn't matter, but basically have the breakdown of what they get out of giving you money yeah. for your events. What if someone doesn't have any prior event experience? So this is where you want to make some prediction for yourself in a way. Like you ex- so what we use, man, whenever we have a zero email list, uh, is you always want to use the word, we are expecting 5,000 mm-hmm. things. We are potentially having those speakers. Like it's not like factual, but you don't promise anything because you don't know what you don't know about. Exactly. So yeah, what sponsors? Okay, yeah, we're expecting five thousand people. Like, oh, like what do you base this foundation on? Well, actually, um, those are all the industry metrics. This is how much we expect to raise in sponsorship. This is expecting like how much money I'm gonna spend on Facebook ads, and this is the return I'm gonna have. So, mm-hmm. uh, based on our efforts and our estimation, this is our predicted goals and revenue as well mm. are you interested yeah and i see a lot of people be like going back to you it's like it might say hey um this is great but get back to me when you have concrete numbers which is fine so you put them on a spreadsheet of contact later but some companies might be interested right away because you give them a discount like hey it's usually five thousand dollars but um if you say yes now for this summit i can give you like a 50 percent discount something like that got it no, that, that's really good advice. So who would you say your clients are? Are they people that are just starting? Are they people that already have like a really big list? Like who, who are your clients particularly? So I love working with agency clients because I have a system ready. They, so what about my agency, right? So it's like done for you services or done with you, but mostly done for you. 
And the reason why I love working with those people is because one, they're not afraid to over deliver in content because they know that regardless of how many content you give away, they still, the clients still need to implement this advice. And that's the true reason why people buy those uh, services in the same way that you can buy a course on how to get fit, but having a personal trainer that guides you for a process is the value of it, right? Mm. Um, same thing with business. Like you can buy a step-by-step process, but would you know exactly what to do in your situation? And when it comes to, for example, let's say um, someone that has a YouTube summit, right? They have an agency that helps entrepreneurs build a YouTube channel. So they can build like strong SEO and authority and build a brand's trust. Like you can give away all the content of the agency for free, but people will still need your services to be able to implement exactly on the context of what they need because people never buy for content anymore. They always buy for context of what is relevant for them. Mm-hmm. And this is why Gary Vee is so successful is because he's not, to, he's not afraid to give away his best stuff for free. Because he knows that his clients or his audience, 99% of the time, they will not use his advice. And the one that do use his advice might not be his ideal clients. But the ones that are actually his ideal clients will just go for the content. They will just trust him. And since they have a big businesses, because his services are like 25K a month, they'll be like, they don't have time to go for entire YouTube series of videos of 2,000 videos to implement his advice. They'll be like, Gary, just do it for me. How much is it? 50K. All right, let's do it. He's putting out so much free value that anybody that doesn't fit within his like tier can implement it himself. But if they have the money and they don't have the time, then they're obviously going to pursue Gary and his agency. Just curious, like how do you go about finding your clients? Is it you putting out content similar to like Gary and spreading the word about like virtual summits? How do you go about attracting new clients for for your thing? So, do I hear something fun, man? Of course. Um, 80% of my clients were speakers on my first summit. Oh, very cool. So, actually a lot of people that reached back to me were so speakers on my summit. And, And I think that's like really ninja in a way like you ask them questions about the businesses and you like poke holes into the businesses like hey how do you systemize your legion how do you build yourself as a go-to authority of industry like systematically do you have any platforms that you can invite people so we can have discussions uh cool you thought about podcast but have you thought about this down- downfall of this podcast because you have to be consistent and i remember you telling me you don't have much time so how do you do with it you have a system for that. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. I don't pitch virtual summit to them, but I just plant the seeds into their brain. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like, why does he ask me all those questions? And then once I've asked this question, right, I just share those almost answers on Facebook about why virtual summit is always great because yeah. they follow me and my stuff. And I also like, you know, share more, more about why I've done virtual summit during our pre-call. So that like almost like getting their brain moving without even me saying like, hey, let's do a virtual summit together. They actually reach out to me. Um, that's like the power of building a platform because you can actually talk to these people that you want to bring in, uh, which is why next summit I'm doing, which is a lean next gen summit, right? It says basically uh, lead gen for agencies. 
and all those agencies have different ways of getting lead gen, right? YouTube, Instagram, uh, um, webinars and books and these kind of things, right? But most of those people also have agencies, but they don't have, quote unquote, a virtual summit or a platform that establish their brand and their product as a go-to thing of the industry. So that would be my way to systemize me getting clients by building a virtual summit and interviewing them. Not all of them are going to become clients, but at least not only do I make money from the recordings, but I also get money from potentially having those people as, as um, clients, the speakers as clients. The other strategies I have is obviously like who referrals. Like now that people who have worked with me, they're really happy. They refer me as this person to the, the audience. And since Virtual Summit is pretty like niche uh, industry, uh, you just build trust really fast because like, oh, who is the best expert in the Virtual Summit? Is that whoever like, produces the best quality summit also at a high pace, which is why I build an agency now to do it. And the last thing is, um, I also want to, uh, I'm launching a book as well, which is going to help me like build authority. And I feel like a lot of clients will come from that. And also getting a lot of speaking engagement from that as well. Awesome. And when, when can we expect that book to come out? Dude, I've been like wanting to launch this book for the, for the longest time. What's but, holding you back? Uh, just time. Uh, okay. But now, yeah, like I, I want the book to be published by the end of August for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that's really exciting. And then you said that you're also hosting a, um, a virtual summit yourself for digital agencies. When, when can people that are listening tune in for that? So it's going to be in November and it's going to be called lead next gen summit. So that's a play on words for lead gen and also like the leaders of the next generation. So this is like who I enjoy working the most with people who are like young or driven that are like purpose driven that also want to build a community and tribe and also create a movement and also be able to replicate those moving movements across their own tribe. Mm, I love it. I love it. Cool. And, um, what, what else is in the future for you? Are you traveling anywhere besides the book, besides the, the next, um, digital summit, which are already two really big things in the future to look forward to. Is there anything yeah. else that we should expect or anything that you're, you're going to be doing? So one of my intentions of why I moved to Southeast Asia is because I want to be more present on stages in Asia and build a more and make a following. And the vision for me has always been since about like 18, 19, like becoming the bridge between America and Asia in the business industry. There were like so many great things that I learned in the U.S. that are implemented the right way, especially in China. Um, personal development has a negative connotation in, in China because of the scammy aspect of it, especially done by like old folks who just understand how to game and, and manipulate people, which is horrible because Tony Robbins actually has a really bad reputation in China. Not because of Tony Robbins, but because of people who organize events for him and upsell mm. sh shady stuff. So my intention is to just like clear out the market, especially for the young people who are hungry for knowledge, who are desperate for system and strategies that actually work. And I kind of control what other people create, but I can control what I create and I can control how many people see it. Mm. The more I put myself out there, the more people are going to be able to find the best stuff. I'm not saying my stuff is the best, but I want to be accessible for those people who can make the choice of whether or not they want to 
hire me or work with me or at least like learn from me because uh, like I want to go like Gary V style where just creating content and giving value to people and being able to inspire people not because I need their money but because my agency can make the money but because I just want to be able to help these people by bringing the knowledge that they would have gotten access to otherwise it's someone that Chandler did that to me when I was 20 years old he was the definition of what was possible yeah and I think it is selfish for any one of us to not share what we do to people that just dream about where we are now, even though it's not like always like the case. Like, are you happy with where you are? Sure. Could it be better? Of course. But a lot of people would love to live the life that we have right now. Yeah. You want to give others the leverage the same way that Chandler did, uh, the same way that Gary, Gary V is arming the masses just with leverage, just with practical knowledge. And mainly that's because you've now run a business. Yes, it is unique and also profitable. And you are also young. So right now, since you're in Southeast Asia and you just did a speaking gig, right, in, in Malaysia, mm-hmm. like you're positioning yourself as, yeah, the, the Asian Gary V. And, and, I, <laughs> I, and I love that. One, because I'm a huge Gary V fan and also because I, I definitely believe in um, your ambition, Eric. So well, I want to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. So before we get into the last three questions, I, I, I'm sure our audience is dying to know where they can find you, connect with you. You have a website, Instagram, anything that you want to plug for people to yeah. know you. Uh, so you can find my book on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's called the Virtual Summit Launch Formula. Uh, it should be like very cheap, like two dollars to buy it. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at yangeric20. So that's Y-A-N-G-E-R-I-C-2-0. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, you can also find me at my website, ericzyang.com. Awesome. And for those who did not hear that or catch that, it's going to be recorded in the show notes. So uh, if you have a chance, follow him, say hi. Um, anyways, last three questions. What do you live by daily? Is there a quote, a mantra, something that kind of keeps you going? I don't know how it is for anyone else, but whenever I don't grow as a person, like physically grow or, or mentally grow, my body goes into this depression mode. Like, like I think Tony Robbins has this quote, like if you don't grow, anything that doesn't grow just dies. And I think like chemically speaking, my body, I don't know what it is, but whenever I don't feel like I'm growing or I'm stagnant, my body is like, what the fuck? Um, so it's almost like, almost like the carrot of steak for me, it's more the steak. Like if I don't do this, then I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to be in a, in a shitty mindset and shitty position. So I think that when it comes to self-awareness and for me, it's just like this pursuit of greatness of what, what my fullest potential could look like. And I think I'm just like, that's my biggest driver. Like why play small when can become big. And if you don't achieve that big goal at least you have tried to achieve a journey in the best possible way I, i've read so many like uh, books or like documentaries where you know growth is and, and progression is just part of the human experience like you need you need mm-hmm. to be going after something and the yeah the the feeling of remaining stagnant is just it, it is debilitating so working at either if it's just like one thing you, you mentioned like physical, usually it kind of compounds into other aspects of your life as long as you're do, doing one thing, right? 
100% man 100% and um if there was any way to i guess encapsulate uh that spirit of growth into like a a design or uh something that could get tattooed on you would you, would you ever do that or if there is something that you feel like you could get tattooed on you that kind of resonates with your spirit what what would that look like or what would that be i think like Gary Vee says that really well like a cloud and dirt like go after your dreams but don't forget where you came from mm. like that 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 keeps you grounded like whatever happens to you like don't forget like where everything started and just be humble and also like when you meet people that necessarily are not the same level as you i uh, just remember like you used to you used to be this person. Um, it's also about sending the elevator down. So to answer your question, Glenn, I guess it would be something like, don't forget where you came from. And that's just something keeps me grounded. Like when I, when I succeed or when I fail, it's just cool. That's part of the journey. Yeah. That's super impactful. Yeah. Always, always stay rooted. And whether that's, you know, rooted in yourself and your, in your family and the people that you represent, that's incredibly important to always uh, keep that perspective. And um, that brings us to our last question. What makes you feel the most alive? Honestly, like what I enjoy doing the most and uh, like one of my biggest driver, man, is, um, is being able to share this amazing journey that is entrepreneurship that that is for me at least right with amazing friends and amazing mentors and people that I look up to and me able to share the climb with those people like we have this uh this book we both love man it's like shoe dog where like people climb or fail just climb mount fuji when he succeeded uh building nike and he decided to do it despite being there for a second time where the first time he decided to not climb it because he hasn't achieved the level of success that he wanted. Like for me, like climbing Man Fuji is a great example of the journey of you succeeding. But me, it's like, who do I want to climb this journey with? Being able to have a, a friends group or multiple friends and communities that you felt at home at any time and be able to happy, be happy and do the grind and share your failures uh and also like your hardship with those people like you need to be happy doing the journey so that you can enjoy the finish line and the finish line is just anecdotic like most of the fun happened during the process never the end goal and i think that a lot of people pursue this end goal and i've pursued this end goal a long time like both like in the marathon because i've run a marathon me thinking that after running it and finishing the crossing line i'll be happy but i was actually miserable because throughout the entire like training, I was miserable. Thinking the marathon, the fish line would be like the, the most ecstatic like time of my life, which was I was actually born and crying. Like why do I feel like, like shit right now? But I, I don't want people to run this marathon life and realize like at the end of the day is they not have what they wanted to have, and that's because they didn't enjoy the process, the journey with people they actually enjoy sharing it with. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Nomad Wolf Podcast. It really means so much that you guys take the time out of your day to spend it with me and our guests. I really hope that today's content here and on the blog helps you on your path. If you're a new listener and like what you hear, feel free to hit the subscribe button. We'll be interviewing more Nomad Wolves and unpacking more secrets and stories that you don't want to miss. 
I'm gonna leave you guys right here, but in the meantime, take care, take care of each other, stay present, and do your best to move forward, even if it's only a little bit. I'll catch you next time. Peace.